Hello and welcome to Listen Carefully. I'm your host, Nathan Jolly, and my guest today is Vicar Bull. I'd like to start with Chain to the Whale, because that happened really quickly, and then suddenly that was a massive hit. How do you feel going from playing in basically bar bands to a few dozen people to being all over commercial radio, all over the TV? How was that at such a young age? Uh, it was a shock, actually, and it was exciting because Linda and I, uh, when we first joined the Sorrows, we um, we were only, you know, just the crowds were probably, I remember playing the Star Hotel in South Melbourne and there was 20 people there and we were uh, in the middle of recording Hold On To Me in the minute that uh, Change of the Wheel came out. I just overnight saw the crowds just quadruple, like just I turned up to the the Palais to play. Joe was doing a, a bunch of dinner shows and there was a queue around the block and I said to Linda, who's playing here tonight? What's going on? I had, <laughs> you know, and, and I was totally confused and that was when I kind of got the power of radio and what it did. It just it just changed overnight. It was, it was really, I'll never forget it. And then you two quickly became the focus of that band. Like you were singing solos, you were on the album covers. How was that for those guys? Cause they were a very established group by that time. I mean, I know Joe kind of had a revolving lineup. So was it just a case of this is just the next iteration? Uh, I think so. Um, yeah, we were brought up the front very quickly. That was uh, that was very obvious, and um, I don't know how the others felt about it. I was just totally kind of oblivious to the whole thing. I just just thought we'd join this band, and you know, all of a sudden we weren't standing at the back of the stage. We were standing to Joe's left, up the front, and then you know, photo shoots started happening, and we we're on the album cover, and it, I, I just thought, okay, this is how it is, type thing, and. Um, and I enjoyed it, you know, I, I just thought it was really great because it was, you know, we got to, we, we were learning very quickly, you know, how things were done and, um, the whole process, you know, recording, uh, you know, getting the, the, the record ready, the cover, everything, the artwork, you know, doing radio, all that sort of stuff. I know that Joe used to get a, a little peeved, you know, when I'd come step up the front to sing one one chorus in Change of the Wheel and, and you know, everyone would go wild and he'd get really pissed off. But, you know, he laughed. He laughed. I mean, you know, he, he was generous. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to give me a, a verse to sing, but he did. And, you know, I'm, I'm forever in his debt. I've heard the story that you were working on reception at a label and they needed someone to step in on backing vocals on an album and that was your first kind of recording experience. Is that a true story? Because that sounds like it was invented for Hollywood. That's insane. <laughs> yes, Nathan, it's a true story. <laughs> I love it. That's so great. Well, it was. I was working at Platinum Recording Studios as the uh, night receptionist because um, there was a bunch of girls. We all went to school together and uh, and we all hung out together. We all, we all lived together as well. And uh, one of the girls' dad owned Platinum Recording Studios, so we all got jobs there. Okay. Yeah. And I was working night reception and Rebecca Bernard 
she was doing a session and the girl she was singing with lost her voice. And then everyone said, well, Vicka can sing. And I'd never sung in public in my life ever. You know, it was just the girls just sort of dobbing me in type thing. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca said, can you, Vicka? And I said, well, a little bit. She goes, well, do you want to come and sing with me? I said, I'll have a go, you know. And she was the kindest thing she ever she, that I, that's ever that's ever happened to me. You know, I'll never forget it. And I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm in Rebecca's debt too, you know. I, she just, she gave me a leg up. And you played, like, you, sorry, you sang backing vocals on a lot of records around that time, like Archie Roach records, John Farnham records. Was it Hunters and Collectors as well around that yeah. 90, 91 period? Yeah. How, how did that all happen? Did one just spawn from the other? Were these people Joan you? Uh, yeah, just I think just once we got in the sorrows and then when, uh, you know, we started, people saw us and changed the wheel and never let me go and songs like that came out that, you know, we were invited to go and sing on other people's records and sort of Linda and I being a team and singing harmony was, you know, we always got the call up. So, yeah, and we loved it because that was great training too because singing in a studio is completely different to singing live. You know, you're under a microscope and you have to learn really fast. And, yeah, so it was, it was Joe that opened all those doors for us. Do you enjoy the studio experience? No, I don't. I don't. I find it really hard. I find it really excruciating and and uh, um, I get frustrated and and I get embarrassed you know, just listening to my voice back. But then when you hear the whole thing and it's mixed and, and everything comes together, you know, the hard work pays off. When you've got a bunch of people all being creative together, it's it's very uplifting, you know. So you got to get through all that, all the hard bits to, you know, get the magic. So I think as I'm getting older, I'm enjoying it more. I, I, I think I've got more patience. In the, in the early days, I was very, very wild and um just wanted to go in, sing my bit and leave, you know. And Linda was completely different. You know, she was she's she she's very she loves the whole thing and she she can sit there for hours and work on something. And when you hear stuff back that you did like for example your first album, which I love by the way. Thank you. When you hear that back, how do you feel about it? Is it are you so removed from it that it doesn't even sound like your voice, or do you pick up little flaws and go, "Oh, I wish I'd sung that better"? Or like, how does how is that experience for you? Well, you know, I walked into my mum and dad's house the other day, and they were playing that record. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, I thought I won't turn it off. You know, they're they're enjoying. It. I'll listen to it, and I actually really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed hearing hearing myself you know, my, my younger voice. And I thought to myself, why was I so hard on myself? Because, you know, singing's fine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, before I, I used to say, you know, I wish I'd done things differently, but then the other day I listened to it and I went, no, nah, it, it is what it is. I sang it right. That's the way it's supposed to be. And, uh, you know, it, it was, I was kind of, I was relieved what I was. I wasn't, I wasn't sitting there cringing. I was, relieved that's a great feeling yeah yeah really good so your sunday sing song sessions was that born out of just the way that everyone during covid needed a way to express themselves was it something you were toying around with before no no nathan it was just completely 
uh, our manager said, okay, girls, everything stopped. How about you record a song, just do a song on the internet? Right. You know, just, just sing one song, check in with everyone, say hello, and uh, that's it. And Linda and I never used, never really engaged with social media at all. Wise. <laughs> and um, so we did. I think the first week of lockdown we did. We put up above my head. We went live to Facebook and Instagram and and people liked it. It was just one of those things that happened very naturally. It wasn't planned. It wasn't. It was just very Okay, yep, and, and it happened to be on the next day was Sunday, and I said, Lisa, let's do it on the Sunday, and bang, off we went. And we learned as we went too. You know, we made a lot of mistakes and really didn't care about our background and what was going on behind us, you know, and then we found out people can be very, very picky and, and they watch everything, you know. And I, I wasn't kind of like hip to that. I'm only like, oh, you know, you, did, you didn't dust your phone, girls. You know, your phone's a bit dusty. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, okay. It's like, but yeah, I enjoyed that as well. You know, I enjoyed that people are looking closely. And and most of the comments we got were very, very positive. So that that kept us going, I think. It kept kept us sane. And I, it was something to look forward to each week. And then it went to number two on the charts as a record. That's incredible. Oh, that was the gospel according to ISO. Yeah. Yeah, I think we were pipped at the post by Marilyn Manson. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a shame. <laughs> well, you'd had a number one that year already. So we had. You know. Yeah, yeah. I just want to talk about that incredible run that you had. Like you were very heavily involved in Paul's first ever number one. Then you had yeah. your first number one. Then you had yeah. two number twos. Then you released a Christmas album. It's such an amazing run. It's Yeah, sorry. That's a, no yeah. question. No, no, no. You're right. It was an amazing run and it was... We had two number twos. We had number one. That's right. We, I think life is fine. Is that the Paul Kelly one? Yeah. Number one. And it was it. There was a there was a lot going on, and it was, it was, it was. I guess it was just our time. You know, it was just one of those things that it all kind of. It was weird because it happened later in our career. You know, like a lot a lot happens when you're young, and then we we had a we had a little bit of a break for a while, and then came back. And we were given a second chance, basically, and and we just went with it. We went, this, well, you know, we're not going to get another go. This is it. We just got to go with it. So we just put out as much as we could during that lockdown period. And now that everyone's out of lockdown and stuff and you're touring, do you have plans for the next record? Yeah, we do. We do. We do. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out. We're, we're, we're talking all the time. So, you know, the last, the wait was written by a lot of, all Australian singer-songwriters who contributed to that record and they were just beautiful songs. They gave us really, wrote us really beautiful songs to sing and so I think that Amanda and I can write. You know, it's not like we haven't, we have done it in the past. You know, we, we wrote most of a, a Princess Taboo. That was a record that we, that we did um, after our debut. 99 years as well. 99 years, yeah, we Great wrote song. that with Paul. And I think we just lost our mojo and it was, and I think writing a book has given me the confidence anyway to start writing again. So the plan is to write the next record and, you know, Linda and I have started doing that. It's just, it's going to take a little a little while. Yeah, as these things do. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we accepted the challenge of, of doing a, an autobiography even though it was really difficult, but a lot of good things came out of it. 
How was that experience? You said it's difficult, but you have to kind of troll your entire life, not to mention the fact that you've also got a deadline, the fact that you know everyone's going to be reading it. It must have been a kind of an extreme experience. Yeah, it was. It was, it took a while actually sort of sat on my hands for a long time because I was a reluctant. I, I, uh, you know, I sort of thought how much of myself do I want to expose you know, and thought, oh, well, I'm just going to put it all out there, you know, just tell it, tell, just, just, I'm not going to hide anything. So um, once I'd accepted that I was going to do that, then it kind of started to flow. But it was hard work, i got to say. I, I, I found it harder than Linda did. But I'm glad I did. I just didn't think I was capable of doing it, to be quite honest. You know, I just thought I was just too dumb. Well, it's a huge undertaking. Yeah. But it's also super personal. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. How do you feel about it being out in the world now that you've got a bit of distance? I'm glad. People, you know, I've had very positive feedback. People have said they've really enjoyed it. And so that's good. That's all you can ask for, you know. Yeah. So, you know, and people don't like it, uh, who cares? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how did the Christmas album come about? Oh, that was very, very quick. That was just, uh, we just decided that we would um that we'd, well, we'd always wanted to make a Christmas record. You know, we, we were going to do it eventually. And then um, some time came up in the studio and we just went, bang, we just went in and did it. And luckily we had our band, the Bullets, or the, the band that did The Weight. They were all with us and so we're used to working with one another. So it was very, we knew how one another played, so it wasn't that difficult to do. It was just finding the right songs to do, you know. Right, yeah, because there's so many Christmas songs. So many, you know, and... We didn't want to do Silent Night and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. We didn't want to make a record like that. And yeah. So we just sort of did like, you know, covers of kind of rock and tunes that we really liked and thought were good fun, you know, because Christmas yeah, it can be quite stressful. So you just want to put on a record and dance around the kitchen, really. Hollanders are very, very serious about Christmas and church and the whole day spent praying and feasting, so... You know. You were also involved in Paul's Christmas record around that same time as well, weren't you? Yes. I think yeah. he did that the year before. The year before. Was that part of the consideration not to do the same songs over? Oh, we couldn't do the same songs as Paul, no way. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Paul's Paul's album's epic, you know, that was a big record and I remember too when we were when he was recording that album, we'd, we'd actually lost our guitar player. He passed away, so that was a really hard time for me and Linda. And having to go into the studio and sing songs was that that will always be that that is, every time I listen to that record, that's all I'll think about. You know, the the hard time we were having, and and uh, but it was it was therapeutic in a way. You know, sort of singing, having your bunch of friends around you and singing Christmas songs. It was lovely. Yeah, it's nice. Mm. Which of the Paul records that you're involved in is your favourite? Do you have a favourite? Yeah, the Merry Souls one. Oh, great, yeah. I love that record. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah it was, you know, it was a great, fun record to make. It was a great, fun record to tour. You know, he had a bunch of differences with Dan Sultan, Kira Peru, Clary Brown. Uh, me and Linda, uh, and touring was fun. You know, it was like a review. 
it was, you know, all different singers coming on and off stage. It was really interesting. And he'd picked the songs specifically. He knew how we all sang. And, you know, Paul's very careful about what he does. He thinks things through very carefully. And so he'd, he'd, he'd already decided what he wanted us to sing. And then and touring, it was great fun, you know. The pressure's off. You don't have to sing 22 songs on your own. You've only got to get up there and sing a couple of songs and, and then do a few BVs. And it's it's the best fun. And especially when you're touring with a bunch of people who are whose company you enjoy, it's just it's the best thing in the world. And the sweet guy on that record as well. He'll often in, like revisit his songs at a later date, but just to get like you to sing on that. Yeah, I know. He... he I did a tour with Paul um, a few years back and I, I was on my own. Linda wasn't on this particular tour and Paul had a couple of songs he wanted me to sing. He said, do you think you could sing Sweet Guy? And I went, oh, really? You know, it's pretty heavy, that song. And, you know, you, you sung it a lot. People like hearing you sing it. But it, but I took it home and thought, okay, there's only one way. I, I knew how I wanted to attack it. I just, you know, just got to go for it. So I went round to Paul's place, played it on guitar, I sang it for him and he went, yeah, because he was a bit iffy about it as well. He wasn't so sure. Right. When I sang it for him, he went, oh, yeah, we're definitely putting this in the set. And it it kind of went from there. And it should be sung from a woman's point of view anyway. That's what it, it's what the songs, you know, the lyrics. Yes. Yeah. better that way, you know. So, yeah, I guess it sort of became my song. I, you know, it's a very powerful song. What are your memories from meeting Paul? Ah, oh, I am pretty intimidated. Yeah, we met him at Expo 88. Yeah, yeah, we knew were saying that. Yeah, he was sitting in a Japanese restaurant eating sushi. And um, Linda and I saw him and just went, oh, my God, it's Paul Kelly. And... um. He he was great. He he was very open and sort of started coming around and helping us write help us write songs. We did it every week. You know, he's very generous. We've had a lot of help in this industry. A lot of great people give us a hand. He was always trying to push us to write our own stuff. It was that was the main thing. But you got to write your own songs. You know, and he was always encouraging us to do that. And we'd we'd have one day a week where we would all meet and just try and write songs. Right. Why do you think he pushed that so hard? Because you got to you got to sing your own stuff. You know, right. it's all very well to sing covers and stuff. It's great, but you, it's better when you sing your own stuff. You know, and I've just come to just accept that. I mean, hey, yeah, I can sing anything. I know that, but you know, I don't want to. You know, I'd rather tell my own story and you said you've had a lot of help but you've Mm. also helped a lot of people like you bolster so many records how is that being a guest on someone's album in the studio do you feel more pressure because it's someone else's thing or do you feel less pressure because you're not the decision maker oh definitely less pressure for me because yeah i don't have to make the decision i just sing what they want me to sing right yeah just go what do you want and i go oh can you do this yeah no problem you know uh, sometimes they want ideas, you know, that they, you know, a bit of creative input. I prefer not to do that. I prefer just for people to just tell me what they want and I just sing it. And then there's no pressure type thing. And I always get a little like, oh my God, what if they think it's a really bad idea and it's really cheesy, you know? But 
you really have to go for it. There's no room for kind of feeling shy in the studio or on stage for that matter. You just got to go for it. And and when people hear your ideas and they love it, it's great, you know, and it's great singing harmonies with people. It's the best thing in the whole wide world, singing harmony and that sound. Well, that's a nice place to leave it. Oh, good. Thank you so much. And that was Vicar Ball. And if you enjoyed that chat, go back to last week's episode to listen to my talk with her sister, Linda Ball. And if you want to go see Vicar and Linda, they're on tour right now. Tour dates and tickets are at vicarandlinda.com.au. And the book that she's talking about is called No Bull. And that's available anywhere that you buy books. And probably a few places that you don't. My guest next week will be Alexander Gow from Oh Mercy, who has launched a solo career with a very excellent record. More on that next week. Till then.